1: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a very special bonus episode of Red Wings rant where tirades and impassion, please. For your Detroit Red Wings, finally have a home. Uh, Shout out to my beautiful, wonderful wife. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to fit in this interview (laughs) after this weekend. That um, I'll I'll confess, I'm actually even this is going to get more confusing because I'm recording this before the Chicago Blackhawks game uh, after that awful uh, Montreal Canadiens game. So this part right now is being recorded. Then, uh, but this bonus episode is an interview with um, Devin Little of uh, the Hockey Writers, and uh, it was one of my favorite conversations uh, I've had uh, about the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's a, a very good episode for anybody that. Uh, needs that reminder of, uh, you know, maybe that reset of uh, where your head should be at for the season, because we actually came in. Uh, we got, we got pretty lucky. Um, even with uh, that uh, hecking horrible game against the Canadians, we, we kept level heads. We, we showed some excitement, but uh, you know, we, we, we tried to be as realistic as possible with, with some excitement. And again, uh, remember it's coming off of those first four games. So I'm recording this now. I don't even know what's going to happen in the Chicago Blackhawks game, Uh, but uh, (laughs) let's just figure out uh, what's going on with that later. Uh, At least that's where my head's at right now, and I'm I'm just confusing the fuck out of this right now. But what I wanted to do was still provide you with this amazing conversation with Devin. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. It'll be a first of its kind. Uh, Hopefully we have more, but uh, a bonus episode here. Uh, First bonus episode of Red Wings Rant uh and uh you get the insight from uh, devin little and i hope uh i hope you guys enjoy it he is the dr pepper guzzling free roaming stampeding bronco hockey writers hockey writer grindline youtuber and grand rapids very own devin little devin how you doing
0: i am doing good thanks for having me on what an yeah. intro, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I, uh, I
1: I I thought I I didn't want to just regurgitate the old. Uh, you know, you have your hockey writer's profile. I think I found another website has a has a similar profile. I gotta I gotta goose it up a little bit, right? Gotta get the <laughs> put the old goose suit
0: onto the intro. You, as long <laughs> but, as you uh, get Dr Pepper and uh, Broncos, you you pretty much got it. <laughs> <perfect>. <laughs>
1: Well, as uh, listeners know, uh, when I do have guests on, I like to jump into the icebreakers. So this will kind of get us outside of the Red Wings. There's still some hockey options here, but here's what we do, Devin. I've got three categories for you. Um, And I gave you a bit of an intro on on Twitter, so I don't want you to feel any pressure because you're going to hear one that's going to relate to exactly what I DM'd you about. But no pressure. Pick whichever one you like. But uh, the three icebreaker categories are... EA Sports Hockey, Spooky Season, and Beer
0: City USA. Oh jeez! Uh, I feel like Jeopardy, and, I, and I'm and I've got a good round. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Let's do let's do uh, the first one. Let's talk some video games.
1: All right, so I, I'm taking this in a little bit of a different direction because I did see in your article about uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, you referenced uh, Trapped and Headstrong.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I
1: wanted to, I wanted to throw this out there. What uh, what band artist uh, will forever be associated with uh,
0: your own personal playlists because of EA Sports? Oh, geez. Um, I guess the first one that comes to mind, I I always go back to uh, NHL 05 yeah. um, and uh, France Ferdinand with um, Take Me <sighs> Out. Such yes. a classic. Um, so yeah, that, that song definitely sticks out. And whenever I hear that at a game, I, I like have like flashbacks of being like 10 on my uh, bed playing that game. Um, and then another one I guess would be, um, I think it was like NHL 10 through 11. They randomly went back and did some oldies. They did like Sandstorm and, uh, Yeah, Um, zombie nation. So yeah, those songs for sure.
1: (laughs) No, that that's a really good one. I I still remember uh, going through like senior year world history class and the Archduke Franz Ferdinand came Uh, up and I was like, I know that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I uh, remember that guy. Yeah. (laughs) I I, my my hot ones here were uh, Queens of the Stone Age, which um, I think I'm pretty sure they were featured in like the first NHL game that had like a soundtrack, uh, airborne. Cause I'm just, uh, I've been an Aussie metal head for a while and, sure. uh, underrated. I feel uh, Foxy Shazam, uh, Bye <laughs> Yo, Bye Symphony, Burn. That, <laughs> that one's going to stick with me forever. Um, yeah. And uh, this one's probably easy. I'll just throw this one out there. Cause it, it's, uh, this question didn't take too much thought to come up with, but, uh, that, where where are you uh where are
0: you guzzling barrels of suds if you're uh, in Beer City USA? Where am I guzzling <laughs> barrels of suds? <laughs> uh I to be honest, I don't really have like a go-to place. Uh, I feel like i should probably get one of those. I kind of just uh if, if you happen to be touring around uh Great Rapids, you might see me at this place or that place. I like to hit up uh Pepinos for dinner. I like to hit up uh Nice. um Oh, I'm drawing blinks right now, but yeah, you, you might see me around. I don't really have a, uh, a a staple.
1: Yeah, my I mean my answer to this was embarrassing because I, 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 I've had people ask me before and I just go, Well, there's a HopCat cat right next to <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> your peanuts. <laughs> so just head over there, they'll have yeah. everything in the area, and you just you know enjoy some fries. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for letting me uh pick your brain there. But um I I, I also love doing this too. So anybody that does Writing, um, I, I I confessed uh, in our last interview that uh, like I, I see myself as like a pseudo journalist, uh, <laughs> and the main game is uh, podcasting. But um, I, I I saw that you graduated with a degree in creative writing, so I I want to know, and this is probably what brings me to your writing on the Hockey Writers website. Um, how do you? Bring that because there's there's obviously a difference between like a journalistic style sure. and what the idea of creative writing is. So I, there's going to be a, a couple of questions I want to throw at you with this. But from the start, how, how do you feel like you infuse what you've learned to do, your creative writing style into what, I, for lack of a better phrase is, or maybe lack of a better term, is just you doing sports journalism? Sure. Yeah
0: uh well i i should start by saying that i started out as a uh a journalism major and i switched programs because i didn't like uh western's (laughs) journalism program so uh don't know if that's a shout out to my alma mater or not but uh yeah uh (laughs) um but no uh once you decide uh that you're going to do something like this and by the time i was into my creative writing uh um degree I started to write for the uh the school newspaper and believe it or not I didn't write for sports um I wrote for uh the arts and entertainment um section and that is where I really kind of um I guess learned the basics of journalism that I needed to like have to do this type of thing um and it just goes to show that like you don't have to be writing about sports to like figure that stuff out um but Ever since I was little, I was someone who who just liked to uh, write things my own way, even if, um, you know, there was like a sort of template for how things wanted to look. If, if I thought something needed to be written a certain way, in my mind, that's how I was going to do it. Assignment be damned. Um, yeah. So <laughs> so I guess what I do is every every article, every topic, every, you know. However, you want to look at it, um, can be approached multiple different ways. Um, I think you can write things to uh, make it sound like it's coming straight out of a newspaper, sometimes you can write things to make it look like it's coming straight out of like a, a um, not a novel, but like a, a piece of nonfiction, you know. Um, yeah. and it's all about what I guess people would enjoy to read. Um, I think sometimes you just got to write out the facts and that's your story, and sometimes you got to have fun with it. And I think when you do. When you can come at it from a creative writing perspective, you kind of um, I don't I don't mean to say it this harshly, but you're not as much of a slave to the convections that you have to follow gotcha. when you're, you know, you're stuck to like the journalism thing. I feel a lot more free to do things how how I see fit with how uh, where I'm coming from, I guess.
1: Is there something that you would like to see be like more mainstream in sports journalism to like just make your day that much easier? <laughs> like I, I think like uh, just for an example, um, you probably go through like Down Goes Brown has some yeah, pretty yeah. crazy stuff. So, so maybe, maybe even that probably now that I think about it, it skews even closer to sports journalism. There's a lot of research that goes into that. Oh, yeah, and he, is, sure. he has a fun read, but yeah. Uh, That might be in the opposite side of the spectrum. But yeah, uh, still, same question, (laughs) even though I fucked up
0: the example. (laughs) Uh, The main thing that, honestly, I would like to see more, and I am starting to see it here and there, but um, it's still not necessarily mainstream, is just the writer inserting themselves into the piece. Um, It's still kind of relatively frowned upon to write I in your pieces. I think this, I, I did this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think, you know, in certain cases, yeah, you shouldn't do that. But um, I think that a lot of writers out there draw an audience and the audience comes back for that writer, not necessarily the thing that they're writing. You know, I look at, you know, Max Bolt Max Boltman. It doesn't matter what that guy's writing about. It's it's got his name on it. So people are going to read it. So if he writes yeah. I in it, they don't care. I I want to, you know, it, I, w- I would like to think that I could be in a position where if, you know, if people see my name on the byline, they're, they're going to jump on it because I'm there. Um, and so when you have the freedom to insert yourself into the piece, you can kind of make it more personal. You can, um, really kind of establish that what you're saying is coming from you and not from, you know, an external source or whatever. Um, and it makes things, it makes things more, uh, um, I guess, unique, and it makes things harder to plagiarize when you are able to inject yourself into what you're writing.
1: Yeah, I mean, to that point, uh, you could read the same story. Uh, You know, I I don't want to toss any names out there, but I I get what you mean with a huge difference. And I'm going to do it. I'm gonna throw somebody under the bus here. But (laughs) huge difference between like Ansar Khan And Max Boltman, I'll 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 play that game. Uh, It's probably a mean game to play, but uh, (laughs) but I mean, not
0: wrong though. There's a complete, there's a big difference between the two,
1: right? And Max comes out with uh, with an article uh, that was probably either yesterday or two days ago. That is actually titled, I believe. it was things I know and things yes. I believe about uh, the Detroit Red Wings so far, and he's so bold he threw it right in the title. He, he's eye yeah. yeah. all over the place.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. But
1: yeah, you get you get that Max Boltman flavor in that, and it's it's more than just a regurgitation of stats. It's more than just a regurgitation of press conference. You know, quotes. Yep. It's yep. here's what here's what's said, and here's you know if you take a a modicum of um, you know, time, I guess, just to try and dissect it. Here's what it could mean, and here's what they want you to think, kind of ideas. And uh yeah, I uh I couldn't agree more. It's uh it's how I, I get into my conspiracy theories uh with the Detroit Red Wings. If uh <laughs> like it can be dangerous. I'm the bad side of that. I'm the one that, that comes up with well wait, why why was nobody around watching Verona get hurt? what happened there he just all of a sudden he's gone for four months what's going on there you know i I, joking aside (laughs) don't want to put you in an uncomfortable uh position there but that's that's where my that's where my craziness comes from and uh thankfully there's people that actually uh enjoy that but But, yeah i uh I, i appreciate you uh letting me dive into that uh the old creative writing side of things and um yeah, I say everything you're saying there is probably why I have you on the show now. Compared, to, I mean, there's there's so many people out there I could get uh, thoughts and ideas, but um, yeah, I I, I appreciate um, I appreciate that you've chosen to go with Devin's style. Uh, I'll say that because that's that's what keeps me coming back.
0: Thank you. I don't know any other styles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All
1: right, so I sent you. Uh, we'll jump into the Red Wings stuff here, if I can. Uh, I'll put putting my mind here the stamp on when we started doing this part of the conversation uh i i threw out in the dms here i just i didn't want this to come off as like uh i I didn't want to put you on the spot and it's not too difficult of a question but i did want to get like you know i wanted to give you more time than just off the top of your head to think about it but give me give me two answers here one one analytics based or you know maybe a pulling back just from the narrative side a little bit but again uh to go in the opposite direction one narrative based one analytics based uh what what's going right so far with uh,
0: with the red wings in your opinion we'll start with the narrative uh aspect and um again like like we all know it's early so we can't really draw right. super fine conclusions at this point but early return suggests that the uh the Eisler plan is working uh cider and Raymond uh have been among Detroit's best players since the get-go of this season and those are you know cider was the very first guy Iserman drafted and Raymond was the highest guy he's drafted um it, it's I, I I want to take a step back too like we we all kind of figured cider was gonna make the team we yeah. didn't necessarily know Raymond was gonna make the team um and for them both to be making such a big impact right away is uh is I mean, it bodes well. They're both under 21 years old, so they've got a lot of room to grow, and they're already making this big of an impact. Um, so for uh, for the first two guys, at least in the first round, that Eisenman is drafted to make this kind of impact, you got to feel good about guys like Edvinson and Kosa uh, coming up, and then whoever else is coming um, in the next year or two. Um, and then analytically based, uh, I did do a little bit of homework. Um, at least according to uh natural stat trick, uh, the Red Wings as a team have an expected goals for percentage of 55.26, which means that they expect to get over 55% of the goals so far through, uh, through four games this season. I can't remember the last time the Red Wings as a team had a positive expected yeah. goals for percentage. Um, now, a lot of that is based on a really good game against Columbus, a really good game against Vancouver and then a crazy game against, um, Tampa Bay. Uh, this past game against Calgary was not as, uh, as, uh, I guess forgiving. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, <laughs> but the point is, is that they are getting the, uh, the bigger share of the scoring chances. They're getting the, uh, you know, they're, they're expected to get, get more goals than their opponents. And, uh, I think the fact that, uh, they still have technically a positive record, um, is proof of it.
1: Yeah. And I, I would say, um, you know, there's also a narrative to attach and an analytics number to attach to both sides of those um, conversation pieces too. Cause you, you would, you would say to cider Raymond uh, probably (laughs) we make, we make uh, this discussion point of when was the last time we had an expected goals for a percentage above 50. And then you also just turn around and go, (laughs) well, we also have, (laughs) <laughs> easily a <our> best <laughs> defenseman and best forward we've seen in the last few years. Uh-huh. Uh, but then with the, you know, meeting that number, um, you got to think, and I, th- this wasn't necessarily anything I prepped you for, so I- I'm going to play this game, but you got to think, Jeffy boy, Jeffy Blash, we'll call him, I'll stick with Jeffy. He's got to be <laughs> letting go of the reins a little bit when he sees the talent level that's in front of him. Cause yeah. we know, right. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this cause I've been going pretty hard on this since the season has started. Cause even with that Tampa Bay game and we go down in a loss, clearly to me, there was a change in how much we were going to play the let's limit chances. And now mm. it's just, all right, these boys can play. I'm I'm going to let them do a little bit more here. I'm going to let Mo cider be Mo cider. I'm going to bet. I'm going to let Lucas Raymond be Lucas Raymond. Mm. Um, that's where I make that attachment of of what is the story behind us getting, uh, at least from the five-on-five five perspective, at least from the analytics perspective, how did we get to that point? Is Jeffy boy making the right choices uh, for,
0: for his talent? Come on, Jeffrey, you can do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. uh My, my big thing with this is it's crazy what happens when you inject talent onto a team. Uh, I mean, quite literally, uh, last year, I think, I don't know if I'm in the minority on this or not, but I think that the Red Wings played a system that fit their team. I realized that it wasn't the most fun thing to watch and they struggled to score and there were plenty of issues going on there, but they weren't oozing with talent. They, you know, you can't go toe to toe with Tampa Bay and go chance for chance. When you, when your best player is, uh, sorry, number 71, but when your best player is Dylan Larkin, you can't go toe to toe with Tampa Bay. Right. Um, so you got to play a system that allows you to at least stay in the game with Tampa Bay. And that's what they did last year. Um, so then this year when they add, you know, Lucas Raymond and Mort Sider, and let's not overlook Nick Letty and Pia mm-hmm. Suter. Um, the team has more talent. The team can do a bit more. We saw in the very first game against literally the Tampa Bay Lightning that they can go chance for chance now. Um, now, mind I mean, you.
1: Part, yeah, Tyler's, what, 80% shooting percentage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's a little bit. that's not
0: sustainable. And Vasilevsky had an off game, and there's a lot of other things going on there. But um I don't know that you would have seen that game last season. They, I mean, like you said, to set this right. up, they were playing a lot looser than they were at any point last season.
1: Yeah, and I, I I I have gone as far to say, you know, does Dan Biosma's power play look as awful as it did if he had a Lucas Raymond in a morning yeah. Cuz I like I um I'm starting to to move towards the side of the conversation that the while it's impossible to actually measure besides like Stanley Cups and and wins, I'm I'm starting to think the margin between, you know, maybe your best coach and your worst coach is eyeball test worthy. But like everybody in the middle, how, how razor thin could that margin really be? Because I, I'm sure like some of the stuff we saw in the preseason where Lucas Raymond is uh, whipping him across the ice uh, over to Larkin for, you know, an easy goal over the shoulder for, you know, a nameless goalie in the back of my head.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Was Dan Bilesman really saying don't do that? Or did he just lack the talent to, to have that done? And I'm not saying bring back Dan Bilesma. I'm not taking anything away from Tangay. Uh, but I just, I, I think there's more to be said for the fact that the talent level is is moving in the right direction yeah. than um, than what the coaching did or, or didn't do. Because to your point, I think we all at the beginning of the, we'll call it the 2021 season, um, we all said, if we're going to find any success, we've got to limit chances both ways. And we got to just cross our fingers in the third period. Red Wings do it. And then we all kind of went, you know, wow, this is boring, but we knew it was coming. (laughs) So it's, it's, it shouldn't have been a shock. It should have just been like, all right. Yeah. Jeff wants to try and keep his job. He's going to do the only thing that could probably work with this, uh, group. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it shouldn't, uh, I don't know. Shouldn't have been as controversial. I think that he even kept his job to be, uh, to be completely honest, but uh, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, um, I feel like the podcasters, the writers like yourself, pod, podcaster and writer like yourself. Um, <laughs> I feel like we came at it with a more realistic expectation. And then uh, it's just, we got to get the fans on board. You, we got to let them see, like, it's, I, I'm not saying, you know, Jeffy boy is not going to be around when we're winning Stanley cups. I think, That's clear there, that that. there seems to be a a regular timeline for these types of teams. Um, Probably the best way. uh, If you were a fan of the Detroit Pistons when they won in 2004, I mean, we're going to be looking for our Larry Brown eventually, no matter how well Rick Carlisle coached the team. Yeah. So that's coming. But in the meantime, you know, it's, it's more about seeing these guys just not look like dog shit. And, uh, you know, I, I, (laughs) I still wonder, and I want to get your opinion on this, how important it is for these guys to just gel. If it was last season doing, um, you know, a, the the strategy of limiting chances, but finding wins. Like, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for having a team go into the locker room and celebrating a victory for development's sake, um, as opposed to just getting run over when you are lacking that talent.
0: Yeah, I... I... <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I'm a big opponent of tanking, uh, regardless of who's at the top of the draft. I don't, I literally don't care because I feel like once you adopt that mindset, it is very hard to get out of. All you have to do is look at the Buffalo Sabres to find out yep. what happens. Um, even, even the Edmonton Oilers, they got Connor McDavid and they still haven't made it past the second round in a long time. Um, and they've got Leon Draisaitl there too. Like they, it, it's not a talent problem at that point. Um, so for me, yeah, it's it's about putting yourself in a uh, position to not get run over, like you said, because that's deflating. That's defeating. It's really hard. You know, you can only take so many six to one losses before you you just plot, you, you unplug the controller and you stop caring. You need <laughs> you need to, you need to stay engaged, and by and the way, to stay engaged is to either win games or lose close games. Um So. You know, I, I don't care if the Red Wings go zero and eighty-two, but if every single eighty-two law lo- all, all the eighty-two losses are two to one, that means they're they were in all eighty-two games, and they just got to figure out how to get those two extra goals. Um, now, obviously, zero and eighty-two 0-82 is crazy, and I'm, that's a hypothetical. But um, yeah, case in point here, I, I would much rather see the team build those moral victories, get those wins when they can get them, and uh, even get those tough losses when they can get them because I think that is stuff that you can build on that, that puts you in a position to move forward and grow, not just as individuals, but as a team losing and losing badly. I mean, you don't even have to like, look at it from a sports perspective. If you've ever played any sort of board game, if you get killed, it's not fun. You don't want to play again. Like
1: (laughs) if it's
0: (laughs) it's a close game, then you want to play again, right then and there, like, you, you know, like,
1: there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, unless your brother's being an asshole like that. Well, I, I, that's right. that's
0: a whole separate thing. But <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: no, that's uh, that's a great point. That'll probably be one I'm going to steal and use uh, use over and over this season, uh, or at least uh, continue in the uh, the Jeff Blaschel conversation. Because clearly, um, you know, we make that point now, but uh, we've also both agreed that we're moving away from that limit <laughs> strategy. Yeah, yeah. Now this. Um, This interview or our conversation is going to be confusing because uh, this is going to come out after uh, we play a weekend of hockey. So there's going to be a lot that happens between our conversation right now and a Saturday and Sunday game, which we could come out of this weekend and just be over the moon, uh, despite the fact it's Montreal and Chicago. Uh, Or we could come out of this weekend and just be completely deflated uh because it's Montreal and Chicago. Uh-huh.
0: So <laughs>
1: I I uh I guess what I wanna get from you is you know, where where's your head gonna be at? Your your best estimate, um the best case scenario and worst case scenario, because it it's it's gotta be something where people can hear this at that point and either calm themselves down or you know, not get too bogged down from uh maybe maybe two maybe two losses where we see two teams that are shooting like two percent right now and eventually the levy's gonna break. Yeah. So yeah. uh the law of averages will come into play for both of these teams eventually. And um you know we've seen it happen in the past. So yeah, um basically if I could re uh reestablish where I want you to go here. Uh <laughs> Yeah, keep us on keep us on a level head of where the expectation needs to be in your mind for Red Wings fans and uh, just just anybody can just casual observers as well. If anybody wants to take a shit on us, you know, tell them to shut the fuck up.
0: <laughs> well, first of all, shut up. Uh, <laughs> all second, right. Second of all, <laughs> uh, there are a couple of things at play here. It's not just as simple as they're they're playing Montreal and Chicago this weekend. They're playing Montreal in Montreal the first night, meaning Tyler Bertuzzi is not going to be in the lineup, uh, and he's been a very big piece for them to start the season. Um, and they're going to plug in Carter Rowney probably into the lineup, maybe a seventh defenseman. We don't know. We'll that's that where,
1: out. yeah, that's what I was wondering too. If
0: it was, uh, if it was going to be. I mean, here we are. We're, people are going to hear this, and they already <laughs> know. But. <laughs> um, but either way, whoever they plug in, it's not going to replace Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, 50% as, as of right now, still 50% shooter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, who knows? Maybe Troy Stetcher will get in there and score 50, score 50%. I don't know. But, um, so to expect the exact same level of play against Montreal would probably be, I I would probably pump the brakes a little bit. Now, mind you, I do think that they do have a chance in that game. They still have a lot of good. I mean, they're only missing Bertuzzi. It's not like they're missing Larkin and Bertuzzi. Um, right. Um, And, you know, like we've already established, Montreal hasn't won a game yet. Um, So we'll see. And then the next day, so it's a back to back, right? Um, They're going to play against Chicago, which uh, (laughs) we'll see what happens between now and then. But I got to think that their coach is going to be desperate to get a win because he's probably feeling uh, if people think Jeff Blash was on the hot seat, that dude's in hell Right. right now. Um, because this team should not be what all four and one or whatever to start the season. That team should have had a victory yeah. by now. I mean, they're um, making the trades in the offseason. You yep. you pull it.
1: I for however you want to talk about goaltending, and I, I am one that shies away from saying, you know, it's the most important player you, you should have on your team. Definitely, you know, in my in my mind, don't want to spend too much on a goaltender. It could change game to game. <laughs> but for whatever reason, Chicago went all in on goaltender, all yep. in on a Seth Jones, and they're not seeing the return right now. so yep. that that's something <sighs>
0: oh boy, so they're they're feeling the heat and they're playing against the Red Wings, which is, you know obviously a big rival for them. So if they're ever looking for an opportunity to get a win, I mean, a win against the Red Wings will help them, uh, I mean, it, it it would feel good for them. And the Red Wings are coming off a game the previous night. So I would not, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose that Chicago game just because of all of that that I just laid out there. Now, um, I guess to actually answer the question of where am I setting expectations for everybody, uh, the Red Wings should not get killed in two games this weekend. <laughs> they, they should be, at the very, very least, they should be in both games. Uh, ideally, you'd want to see them win both. I think realistically, uh, I'm guessing they split the two. Um, I think they win against Montreal and I think they lose against Chicago. Um, there's also an element of who starts in net. We don't know that yet. Grice has been playing really well to start the season. Ned, I, I don't think he's been playing bad per se, but he hasn't settled in yet. I think that's pretty clear. So depending on who plays against who, we could see uh, that play a factor as well.
1: All right, I do want to jump on... Um... I saw yourself and the hockey writers have been uh, putting out some content in regards to, uh, I, I don't get it. The, uh, hate, (laughs) especially after we get shut out where the fingers pointed at Ned and it was, you know, let's say Ned gets a shutout. Where the fuck are we at that point? (laughs) It's still zero zero. We're we're headed to a shootout, but, um, I, I, I wanted to I wanted to come to that because I was one that I actually thought uh, because of the back to back we were going to see Grice last night and again we we know it wouldn't have made a difference because uh, yeah fucking shout out yeah. uh, so, <laughs> uh, I I do think there there's uh, probably for the same opportunity there was for you there uh, to discuss like where the, the the head should be at for Red Wings fans for um, wins or losses this weekend. I think absolutely everybody should kind of have a similar mindset for Nadelkovich in regards to, let's not, let not overreact. It's always been uh, my mentality is you, you can celebrate, you could go to the moon when something good happens, don't overthink it, but something bad happens or something negative. I shouldn't even like Nadelkovich hasn't even really been bad. Something negative happens in regards to your players, your team, coaching staff that's where you got to really step back and go deeper into the numbers before you give any sort of i maybe just reaction uh thought hot take uh but right now the i don't know why but uh, a popular hot take is that ned's playing like shit and i just don't see it he turned in a 9 30 save percentage last night too so i don't yep. Yep. i i really don't understand where people are coming from But I I guess this is more or less um, this is less about let's let's talk about Ned's game and and more about um, maybe we talk about generally uh, the frustrations of trying to discuss any pro sport, really anything you love and and see a negative reaction and like the kind of thing that can kind of snowball into. And I'll throw this out there. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker sucked because of the fan base. So <laughs> I'll, I'll throw that out Agreed. there. Agreed. <laughs> All right, cool beans. Um, so yeah, give, give me your thoughts on maybe frustration or um, I know because we can, you know, on Twitter, the easiest thing to do is just for me to tell someone like, dude, calm down. Yeah. Take, take a deep breath. Re- rethink where your head's at but um yeah how, how do you feel that's uh affecting your job maybe uh how that's affecting um maybe how hard you might go in one direction for being a fan of one player um because i know i'll, I'll put I'll, before i let you answer i'm going i'm going i'm really excited about gustav lindstrom and the start for him so far uh think about a third pair of defensemen uh you know and and what you should expect for for that player I I think he's producing above that. But I got turd sandwiches coming in and (laughs) reminding me that it's only been three or four games, so not to be excited about it. Now, granted, there's a lot of truth to that, but, you know, (laughs)
0: let's – let's let's laugh, let's
1: have some fun number yeah, one yeah, yeah. and number two <laughs> when it comes to taking a dump on our players uh maybe we wait until it's actually like time to do that
0: yeah all that yeah.
1: you get you get this huge bowl of gumbo of thoughts from me
0: where do you, you want to go with it <laughs> Some good ass gumbo uh first of all if if you're if you're somebody who's ragging on somebody for being excited about a third pair defenseman, find something else to do because right. come on, uh, <laughs> third pair defenseman. Uh, here's the thing, uh, <laughs> fans overreact in both directions. That's what they do. Uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Kirill Tichayev was going to be the next Kirill Um, <laughs> But then also, it wasn't, you know, here we are now, and Alex Nadelkovich is the second coming of Jimmy Howard. So oh, um, but... I, I don't blame fans for overreacting because part of being a fan is, you know, living in the highs and the lows, you know? Yeah. Um, but I do think uh, that there that there definitely needs to be a, situ- a, a sort of a, an effort to pump the brakes on things like this. Because Nets played two two regular season games with the Red Wings, that is not a sample size worth taking anything out of. Um, right, it, and even then, like I don't even think the numbers one hundred percent tell the story because I think he played real well against Tampa Bay, and then the team kind of just took their foot off the gas. Um, yeah, you lose to Dylan Larkin. I, I mean, literally. I, happens I, in that game. Yeah. I said this before. Larkin stays in that game. They probably do. They probably win that game. I, right? Yeah. I'm um, on board with that. So, I guess, um, I, like I said, it's it's inevitable. I, I, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over people trashing Ned because as soon as Ned pitches a shutout and then has a great game after that. <laughs> They're gonna, his jerseys is going to be flying off the racks i mean it's it's literally what happens but <laughs> like i said like you've said it, it, it's too soon to take to pretend like we've seen anything mean meaningful yet right. like to kind of like put this in a perspective you know jonathan bernier we've all talked about how how great he was over the past like two seasons with the red Wings before he moved on uh his first season in detroit he was uh average at best Jimmy Howard was the better of the two goalies that season. Uh, Grice, this past season, his first half of the season was not pretty. And then he came around and finished very strong. Uh, I am firmly in the boat that Alex Nadelkovic is going to take some time to get settled into his new surroundings. He just came from a team that was arguably the best defensive team in the league with the Carolina Hurricanes. And now he's playing against a team that regularly allows 30-plus shots a game. It's it, there's going to be an adjustment there. There's people he's never met before. Uh, He's there's that play in uh, the Tampa Bay game where somebody called for him to leave the pocket or whatever. And there's a miscommunication there. Yes, That's, Dolly boy. Yep. That stuff happens when you haven't kind of established that rhythm and that chemistry with your teammates. That will come with time. Nadalkovich signed a two year contract. He's not here for one year. So yeah, he'll,
1: he'll learn to know to ignore Mark Stahl with time.
0: Uh... <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, the dude was a Calder finalist last year for a reason. He didn't like that. I realized that hot streaks happen, but I refuse to believe that that was just like some crazy streak. I, I think he's got the goods to be a really good goaltender in this league. And he's just got to find his footing in Detroit first.
1: And it, you know what? The, the other part of this too is people are taking it so far, um, but they're forgetting that how young he is. Yep, the tiny little contract. Uh, yep. I I would argue the draft pick we gave up, the chances of that landing and being an NHL player. Like when you take a look at how often um, that level of draft pick turns into an NHL player, it's, pretty, it's a pretty small percentage. Yeah. So you get an NHL player for a draft pick. That's huge. Um. So the risk there is so small, and his contract will be up in case you know it, it's a short term. So if this does end up being uh a mistake which i doubt it but it this is still like a, a no lose situation yeah. so I, yeah this is this is really the call to action for everybody to uh to kind of really you know reassess this situation number one you played pretty great, pretty great last night i I'll, yeah. yeah there's no qualms about that at all um but number two even if this turned sour like nothing about this could go wrong for us we're still not winning the stanley cup this year so it's just we just we get to watch i i've made the argument as a member of the hockey podcast network we this show has had the privilege of recording and you guys have the privilege as well with uh, the hockey writers and the grind line you have the privilege of recording the easiest team to analyze because nothing could really go wrong like, if we lose a lot, then we're still discussing the draft most of the year and trying to yep. get to know all those prospects yep. anyway. And if we win a lot, what the fuck just <laughs> we, happened? We, it's all great. We get to have fun. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Uh, everything is just – I mean, going back to, uh, you know, the initial question I asked you, like, this This is everything. This is um, – yeah, we'll do a Dark Knight reference here, right? Um, it's all – according to the plan, the Iser plan, like we are supposed to lose. Uh We're supposed to see these little tiny increases of production. And uh we were supposed to see first round picks in the top 10 that looked like NHL players so far. So good. We go. <laughs> right, yeah. This, uh, this is a gravy. This is a gravy job podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. This is about as easy as it gets.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, um, I remember in the off season bringing up the point that, uh, you know, I mean, we could actually just go back to the preseason and the difficulty some folks had with with giving up on, on Bobby Ryan yeah. and, and not giving him a, a new contract. And it's like, that's still small potatoes. But like, that's the thing like we can't wait for, you know, like to make those yeah. decisions where it's like, fuck, which, again, I'm, I'm not going to say Bobby Ryan was fuck, but some people did. And we're we're at the we're at this point right now where whatever happens is still it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, absolutely. Now, uh let me yeah you know, we, we've just played the game, right, of uh, everybody needs to calm down. But uh I saw earlier on uh, on your Twitter account, I would say maybe within the last week, uh you made a play at putting together a lineup if Jacob Vrana <laughs> was here. I did. No, I'm not we I I don't want to get too deep into what that lineup would be. But I do want to play the game that if everything stayed the same, because who knows if Lucas Raven makes the team and Verona's uh, here. And I I firmly believe that even with the same performance uh, from Lucas. Or you know what? Scratch that. Does he get the same opportunities in the preseason if Verona's there? We don't even know. Yeah. I'll, I'll put that out there. So anyway, let's say Lucas makes the team. All that's the same and Verona's here. Based on what we've seen, and this is where we're going in the opposite direction, based <laughs> on what we've seen through four games, do you think that we're sniffing the playoffs with a full season of Verona? Uh,
0: this season? Yes. Ooh. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard for me to say because, uh, I mean, let's, let's put it out there to start. I mean, Verona was electric. Uh, when he came to Detroit last season um i think there's a the biggest reason why we why everyone was so bummed out about his shoulder thing is because you know we're like oh my gosh the Wings are going to have a 30 goal scorer all of a sudden this Wait. is this is crazy um, but we don't know that that would have carried over we we don't know that he would have continued that i highly doubt he would have uh, carried over that same pace he was pace he was scoring at like a 50 goal pace or something like that oh yeah, um, yeah no so,
1: no doubt that wasn't happening again
0: so <laughs> yeah, so to yeah to expect you know that those 11 games of rana to carry over it, you know pump the brakes a bit but yeah, I hesitate
1: I see, to, I, I see it in there I see the sparkle I, in your eye yeah
0: yeah I hesitate to say no that's the thing like I, that's I, a great answer yeah i <laughs> i I wouldn't say I guess that's the best way to put it I'm not gonna say uh yes confidently because I think this is I mean at that point you're looking at the defense and you're saying okay but you still have um you know Danny de Keyser in your top four probably shouldn't be there. Uh, and you have your best defenseman is probably a 20 year old rookie. It's not ideal. Um, So then you still have issues and then, you know, Ndokovic is getting settled, settled in. So there's still issues at play here, but I do think that uh <laughs> to kind of steal a phrase that coach Blasio likes to throw out there. I think that with it, with this lineup plus Jake Brana, the Red Wings could theoretically outscore some of their problems. Um and it just depends on you know who's playing with who, who's playing in what role, if Rana can carry over what he did last year, is Rook is Lucas Raymond on the team? Like you said, there's a lot of ifs and whats and maybes. But yeah, I guess my answer is I hesitate to say no.
1: I'll, I'll put it this way too: if we're, um, I don't want to say a bubble team because that seems thinking. Really high, but I, I mean, if if we're <sighs> Jesus, yeah. How, <laughs> how do you tiptoe around this? My own question. Let's let's say let's say the points percentage is like four fifty, right? So that's about sure. roundabout about uh, where we did like the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe actually the second half was closer to like four ninety. And Verana's coming back. I would say that's at least something. So that that puts us in like that, probably eleventh seed, maybe tenth seed. I think when Verona comes back, if we were at that point, I think that would be something to sit forward and kind of scooch to the edge of your seat. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it that way. That that's something to at least go. All right, there might be a chance here. Now that also means that we just played half a more than half a season, and Lucas Raymond played pretty good. You know, all, all of that meant. Yep. That things kind of kept playing along the same line that they're playing right now. But, um, yeah, I, I'll put it that way. If, if Verona comes back and we're, like, sniffing that uh, the 500 points percentage, that's where, yeah, you, you scooch forward. Now, better question, do I think we're going to be sniffing 500 <laughs> points percentage? Mm-hmm. No, not really. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be... We'll, we'll know when we get to february right i yeah, yeah yeah i'll uh i'll say this too nobody wants to hear this but i i will uh i'll i'll let it out that i don't i don't think we're going to see verona this season i think it'll get to a point where things are so far out of hand um and maybe maybe i'm putting on the conspiracy theory hat here uh but, but yeah, I think I think it'll get out of hand where we don't even need to see him. you know, it's not like he's gonna come save us. And if anything, maybe he comes back with like a month to go and things are severely out of hand. But um that would be i I might even put money on that and that we don't even see Verana this season. but um, I don't want to get anybody, you know, I don't want to damper hopes too much, but that's kind of where my head's at. i I see what happened last season. i I don't think they're in the position right now that they need to rush anybody back. I think uh, it's pretty evident so far. And I'm not saying because Tyler Bertuzzi was held back for so long and because they kept everything so quiet that that's why he's shooting 50%. I'm saying he looks like an NHL player. He doesn't really look like the injury is holding him back at all. And I think it's got something to do with how careful they were with Bertuzzi. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll I'll put it that way. And I think they probably want to do the same thing with Ferrana.
0: I actually think he might be onto something there. And, and I think something that um, is maybe going a little un, uh, overlooked is that the Verona injury was reported, was reported that he is out a minimum of four right. months. It's not four months. Exactly. It's a minimum. He might be gone longer. And I can uh, see the
1: conspiracy theory had just forming. Yes. A little...
0: Yes. This isn't a Red Wings hat. Yeah, it's, it's a tin foil. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it's no and that's you make a good point if um there's going to come a point where you have to weigh your pros and cons of whether it's even worth it because you know if this was a team that was looking to make a playoff push then yeah you want to add rina because he's going to help he's basically a trade deadline addition at that point um but given where this team is supposed to be uh, I think you'd rather just make sure that is healthy and good to go for next season than to get another 15 games out of him this season.
1: Right. I mean, next season, you're potentially talking about DeKaiser being replaced with this uh, Simon Edmondson That yep. is, I saw it uh, today on Twitter. Somebody said it perfectly. It looks like he's a slice of butter on a hot pan right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, like we played the game we played the game last year of like trying to fit cider on the team. And it's like, he could literally literally replace anybody on this team and it's going to look loads better. I think we get to play that same game next year, uh, especially with, um, I mean, that, that to Kaiser contract, I think you just, you just kind of eat it. You get through this season, you're good to go. But I mean, that next season is, you know, let's, let's kind of plan ahead for that and kind of just eat this one. And (sighs) It, it sucks. But I I still think, you know, that still goes along the lines of that attitude of like, nothing can go wrong this season. Nothing can go wrong.
0: (laughs) I'm a firm believer that this season is kind of the last, like, true rebuild year. Uh, And by that, I mean, you know, dealing with bad contracts and dealing people away to add picks and prospects and really, I guess, tearing down and looking towards the future. I think next season, because you will be adding more young kids, maybe Edmondson uh, and you know, guys like Raymond and insider will be getting better as when you start, uh, not focusing as much on what you can trade away and what you start to focus more on what you can bring in to push yourself further along. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not predicting playoffs next year, but I am predicting another leap forward next year and we'll see where that takes the team.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it'll be, it would be three straight years of a step forward and there's yep. only so much room between, the basement
0: yep and That's, and playoffs at that at point. some point so, you hit that final step yeah
1: yep yeah and when we draft Shane right we're good to go yeah, right. yeah
0: <laughs> great great point Devin. um <laughs> no I
1: um I do I do think too like this year and this draft is kind of lining up that um there there's gonna be some pretty good options where mm-hmm. the Red Wings will get to play like that New York Rangers game. Uh, obviously they you know got to play with uh Lefrenier, so the names uh and the the value from each player will be different but i think i think they'll have a lot of opportunities to bring in a guy that they can fit into the roster next year uh, a lot a lot of luck comes into play with that but with it being more than one name um i'm 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 optimistic that not only are we going to be bringing more guys in that are just coming through the system um you know we can we can just Throw names out of the hat that are coming from uh, from the Griffins, but I, I I do think there's some some real potential out of this upcoming draft. And then the thing that we always forget is that Tampa to me wasn't that world beater until Eicherman had his way with the trade block yep. and bringing in yep. you know pretty much filling out that defense for uh, for Tampa Bay and solidifying it through the draft. And of course he didn't even draft Hedman, but you know you got some pretty he pieces in place but then he he really shored everything up through trades and i think when we start seeing like when we stop looking at a nick letty trade and and the response is oh he'll be good for cider to learn with and instead the response is holy fuck can you believe cider and so and so are going to be playing together when that becomes the conversation i think yep. we're good to go and i i would agree with you too that it, it that trade Maybe not exactly a left defenseman to play with Cider, but that trade is on the horizon. It's, uh, yeah. it's got to be within a year or two that uh, we see something juicy like that. Um, now, Devin, um, I'm very guilty all the time of forgetting to give everybody an opportunity to uh, uh, tell the, the good listeners, the folks, where to find you. Uh, so I got to make sure I do that right now. And then, uh, you know, any any final thoughts you have for, uh, for the wingdings? Keeping in mind, uh, this will be post-Chicago uh, yeah. and Montreal.
0: <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, follow me over on Twitter, at uh, Hockey with Devin, uh, Devin with an I. Uh, <laughs> um, and then also, yeah, uh, you know, we talked about my stuff over at the Hockey Writers, so go check that out. Uh, by the time this drops, I believe I'll have a new episode of the hockey Riders grind line out. Uh, might want to check that out over on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and then, yeah, uh, final, I guess, thoughts for the, uh, the old wingdings. Um, I'm really, ex- <laughs> I, maybe I'm living off the high of these first few games, but I'm actually yeah, really excited it. to see what this team does this year, this year, because, um, you know, I expected this team to take a step forward with adding cider and then adding Raymond, but I wasn't expecting the, uh, the amount of fun I've had watching this team play um, over the first four games. Um, Not only are they creating chances and, um, you know, playing what looks like winning hockey, but they're also, they've got that snarl and bite to them that I haven't seen in a long time. Um, I think when teams are willing to, uh, to go into the trenches and maybe throw a punch for each other. I think that shows uh, that you've got a good mix and you've got a team that uh, is actually a team and uh, wants to do good things. Um, you know, it's one thing if you're a bunch of bullies and you're going 10 and 72, but it, uh, <laughs> I don't think this team has that. I think this team's gonna, the the days of the 2019, 20 Red Wings are long gone. And I think that uh, fans all across hockey town are very excited about it and they should be.
1: Oh, that was uh was, that was beautiful, Devin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, and I uh I mean I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh thank it you. appears that um the Red Wings content creators are uh learning from the Red Wings and their camaraderie, and we are all uh it appears so excited about this season. We're all coming together and helping each other out. So yeah, uh yeah, again, I can't uh can't thank you enough for coming on. And uh me. shoot, this was this is a great conversation. I hope everybody sees. Uh, exactly why i tuned in uh for the uh the devon articles because um yeah I, I, it was very i don't think we disagreed once <laughs> this time great for podcasting by the really, way was, yeah uh, yeah <laughs> should i should have come in hard with uh the nadelkovich and the uh man we're a playoff team well, what are you talking well, about well,
0: um <laughs> We'll have to try again sometime. I'm sure we'll exactly. find something.
1: <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll let you get back uh, to your day. And uh, everybody, thanks again uh, for tuning in.
0: Thank you so much.
1: <laughs>